Who are you? Morning. Boy, that gets you pumped, doesn't it? Amen. Man, all this gets me pumped. You know, we do the video announcements so nobody has to come up here and talk about them yet. Uh, in the early service, I think I talked about just about every one of them. Man, it's so exciting, all the stuff we've got going on right now. And uh, we got, I've had, uh, the last week, I've had a couple of people come to me about a couple more projects for Christmas. And as soon as we get the shoeboxes done, we're going to talk to you about those and let you do those. And listen, nobody has to do anything, but you get to do something. And uh, so I'm excited about that thing. Uh, man, the, I said at the early service, and let me say it again here, the worship was just so rich today. And well, I said in the early service also, if it wasn't rich back there, y'all just need to move a little closer to this chair. It might be right here. I don't know. that. Just so, uh, so awesome, uh, the power and presence of God's here. And just thinking about like with this, uh, how, much, how much more we want to share this with other people. I mean, don't you want somebody else to experience what you and I are experiencing today? Come on, think about it. I mean, that, that's what this is all about. It, if we're not going to share it with somebody else, let's just all go on to heaven and put up, quit putting up with all this junk around here, right? Amen. Okay, so let's jump into the message this morning, if we can. Who are you? Uh, now, I used to like CSI a whole lot until Gil left, and I just, I just I liked it a whole lot since then. Okay, I got, I got some fellow CSIers out here. Yeah, once, once he was gone, I, was, you know, I watched about two more episodes, and I said, like, oh, yeah, okay. Lawrence Fishburne was okay with one or two episodes, but it just wasn't the same. But uh, this message, I thought, we've got to have that music for, uh, for this message. Who are you? And uh, that's the question this morning. Who are you? Ask the person next to you, who are you? Did anybody answer? Nobody answered? <laughs> nobody, you asked who are you, nobody asked, answered back. If they had answered, I mean, if you had answered, if I asked you that question, what would you answer? Oh, well, good. <laughs> Most of us, okay, but outside of church, what would you have answered? Somebody walked up to you, who are you? Would you say a child of God? That's the, you see, that's a lot of the, that's really, in a lot of ways, the message here today. Because most of us would have just told them our name, right? You know, I was thinking this week, you know, about uh, uh, his name. I actually embarrassed myself one time preaching when I, I used the name George, and I didn't mean to use the name George, and I used it like it was a funny name, and it really, you know, what, isn't a funny name, and the man in my church was named George, and, well, I, I, as soon as I said it, I just saw, you know, so I was thinking about this name George. As soon as I said I saw his face, I was like, oh, man. Uh, but I thought about, you know, this name George. I know about three or four people pretty well named George, including this man. You know, if you were to come to me and say, my name's George, then I would probably be sizing you up, and I would be thinking about you, and I would, I would probably say, you don't look like a George, or, yeah, you look like a George, based on what? Based on what I'd seen out of those other Georges that I know, you know, and that's how. So, but, so really, you know, you telling me your name doesn't tell me a whole lot about who you are. You know, it's, it's, it's more than that, isn't it? Who you are is more than just a name because, you know, there, I, I actually, you know, have met some younger Georges that aren't anything like the four older Georges that I know, you know, and so really the name isn't what it's about. So what is it about? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, okay? Let's have a word of prayer and jump into this message. Father, I thank you, God. You have been awesome, awesome, awesomely in this place, God. And today, uh, God, is our, our mind is just still focused on all the, <coughs> the blessings that you've given us over this last year, God, and Thanksgiving weekend, Lord. And just, God, I want to one more time just tell you, God, uh, how much we appreciate, God, your loving kindness to us and all that you do for us, God, and uh, the, the great sacrifice that you made for us, the, the love that you've given us, the grace that you allow us to live in 
a day-to-day, God. And I pray, God, that you uh, give us a heart to show that to somebody else, God, to not just be George or Rick or whoever, God, but to show them who you were, God, to live that kind of life. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you challenge us, stir us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so now... I've said, I know I said a couple of weeks ago or at some point in the last couple of weeks that uh, in my personal study, I'm in the books of uh, Kings. I'm in Second Kings and right now. And, uh, and I was reading this story about one of the very last kings of Israel. Now, you've got to remember Israel uh, because of the, just the dysfunction they had in this nation. They ended up splitting. And uh, so there was the kingdom of Israel and kingdom of Judah now. And the kingdom of Israel, it's just interesting. An interesting fact is that they never had a righteous king. From the time they split, the, king of, the kingdom of Israel never had a righteous king. But the kingdom of Judah had righteous kings and evil kings. And they would kind of go back and forth. And so uh, there's one I want to take you to today. I want you to I want to read his story. And it, two full chapters. And a lot of the kings, they have very little written about them. This guy's got two full chapters pretty much read about him, uh, written about him. And I want to read that. And we, we've, we've kind of cut, cut some of it out so I can read all of it to you because, because I just want you to see who this guy Josiah was. And incidentally, he is the third from the last king. There were only two other kings after him. Israel has already been uh, overthrown and by Assyria. And now Judah is the only kingdom left. And the third from the last king, Josiah, whose dad dies when he's eight years old, and he comes to the kingdom, he comes to the, to the throne at the age of eight. I want, you, I want to read his story to you. And like I said, it won't be two full chapters. Uh, it might seem like it to some of you, but it won't be. Uh, and it's in chapters 22 and 23, if you want to write that down, read the whole story later, okay? Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, so good. This is one of the good kings that Judah had. And he walked in all the ways of his father, David. Now, David was his great, 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 great grandfather, you know, not precisely that many greats. I don't know how many. I didn't count them, okay? Not turning aside to the right or to the left. Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read, it from, read from it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now, now this book of the law, that's the law that God handed down to Moses and that Moses had given to the children of Israel. They lost it. They didn't know where it was. A lot of the, because of a lot of the kings didn't even care where it was because they were, uh, they were evil kings. They weren't following God at all. Well, Hilkiah, the priest, finds it, and he gives it to Shaphan, who is uh, secretary to the king. And so he takes it to the king, and he starts to read it. And King Josiah, this young king, he, he begins to rip his clothes. Now, that's something they did to show great anguish or, or uh, pain or, or mourning or whatever. He ripped his clothes because uh, he, he was listening to this, this word, this covenant, and it was convicting him of how uh, Judah had been living. He, then he ordered, the king ordered Hilkiah the priest, go and inquire of the Lord for me and, and for other people and for all Judah about what is written in this book. So the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and he went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the, the least to the greatest, and called everybody together. And then he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. He didn't send somebody else to read. He didn't hand the book off. He read in their hearing. The king read the word of God in their hearing, all the book of the covenant. Then the king stood by the pillar of the temple and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Here's another interesting fact that uh, I told you Israel never had a righteous king. Judah had some righteous kings and some unrighteous kings. Whenever they had a righteous king, they followed God. 
but whenever they had an unrighteous king, they didn't follow God. So it's really important who it is you're following around after, okay? You better, better be, be paying attention to that. Uh, king Josiah then ordered Hilkiah the priest the, uh, and the, uh, the high priest, and then the priests next in rank and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asher and all the starry hosts. Don't have time to talk about this, but a lot of the kings preceding him had created idols and brought them into the temple of God. They brought idols into the temple of God. And so he began dragging them out. He did away with a pagan priest appointed by the kings of Judah. Amazing. That God's own people, his choice people, they appointed pagan priests or priests of, of false gods and false religions. He did away with them. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord. He pulled down the altars of the kings of Judah, that the kings of Judah had erected and the altars Manasseh had built. He smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. He demolished the altar and the high place at Bethel also. Then Josiah removed and defiled all the shrines of the high places in Samaria, and he slaughtered all the priests of those high places. Then the king gave this order to the people, celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, not since the days of the judges. That means throughout all of the king's time, at the time of the kings, or the kingdom time, through all of that, no king had ever led the people in remembering Passover and celebrating Passover, not since the days of the judges which was before the kings, had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and the spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. We've got to read that again. Did you hear that? Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. That's, that's an awesome statement right there. With all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength. How would you like to have that read as your eulogy at your funeral one day? Come on, think, think about that. You know, if, if that's what the pre- preacher got up to say and he, and he read words like this and maybe finished it by saying, neither before or after this man have we ever seen anyone like this. I mean, this is, this is amazing. So who is this guy named Josiah? Who is this King Josiah? I mean, we get a pretty good picture of him right here. We see all this great stuff that he did. We see him turning. You know, here's what was happening. They were having revival in Judah. And not revival, you know, we kind of call revival when people get together and have meetings, right? And there's not really any revival going on, is there? I mean, we're just kind of having meetings. They had revival. People were clearing out their houses of all the sin that was in their houses. They were, they were getting rid of the junk that was in their lives. They were having revival. This, this guy was an awesome king to God. And I wish the story didn't have to continue, but it continued. Because the next, when he died, the next two kings, the last two kings, they were his sons. His youngest son was appointed king. And then when he died, his middle son was appointed king. And they were the last two sons of Judah because of their wickedness, because Judah had turned their back on God. And look what it says right here. Jehoahaz, Josiah's son, was 23 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. Three months. He reigned for three months is all. That tells you something about what, what kind of guy he was. And the next verse does too. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord just as his fathers had done. Not his father because his father was Josiah. But his fathers, that meaning his great fa- his grandfather and great-grandfather and on and on and on back forth, all these evil ones, he did just like they had done. And then when he died, after three months, his, his uh, older brother Jehoiakim, the middle son, another son of Josiah, was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord just as his fathers had done. Something's wrong with this picture, isn't it? I mean, we read all of this good stuff about him, and then all of a sudden his sons show up, and they're evil. 
He raised them to 20-something, 30-something years old, and they're evil. They do evil in the eyes of the Lord. They, they, they're not following along after the same things that it appears Josiah did. But, you know, there's, there's got to be some reason. There's got to be some cause. And, and, you know, let's back up. Mike, can you take me back to the, uh, that? I, I should have told you I was going to do this again in this service. But there you go. He's got it for me. I, I want to bring your attention back to this. This is the last thing we read about Josiah. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him. But out from under the robe, when he took off the crown and when he was just a, his normal self. I mean, he was a great king. But it didn't say, never, neither before him or after him was a great man or a great husband or a great friend or a great father like he was. It said as a king. He was awesome as a king. And so here's the real question. It's not what we look like here today. Man, we're all great today. We're under grace. You know, we're standing. Man, this has been awesome today. And just, just singing about his grace and his mercy and his love and how much he loves us and all this. And it's awesome. I mean, I mean, all of us look good. You all look good today. I mean, you know, we all look good. We got smiles on our faces, you know. And most of you, you know, some of you are already worried about the time and length of this sermon. Don't, don't get worried. We're good, okay. But, but we, we've all, we all look good today. But when we get out from under this 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 moment that we have, when we get out from under this place, when we, and, and we're not supposed to do this, but don't we do it? We kind of take off the robe when we start out the door, don't we? You know, this robe that we put on to be a Christian, you know, we kind of put it on, we come to church and whatever, we take off the robe, we walk out the door. It's like, here's the real question. It's not what you were like sitting on the throne, but what were you like, what were you like at home? What was Josiah like around his boys? What was he like raising them up? You know, there's a lot of times I think some, sometimes that, you know, our family, those closest to us see things. Our friends in our, in our close inner circle, you know, they see things that maybe the rest of us don't. And we can all brag and say, hey, he's a great guy. And then they know some other things. Real question is, who are you? Way down deep inside, not, not the persona that you put on. I, I remember this morning, I didn't think about it, but I was praying it as the early service was beginning, the early sermon was beginning, and I was praying this, and, and I said, God, because sometimes, I said this in my prayer, I was just thinking, God, because sometimes we even begin to believe the facades and the masks that we put on. And the question isn't, what do we look like? The question is, who are you? I'll give you three things I think will help you figure out today and help you decide who you really are. And the first one is this. What do other people say about you? Now I know some of you say, well, you can't listen to what other people say. But when they're telling the truth, you better listen. If they're lying about you, okay, okay, we're not going to listen to that. We're not going to listen to the lies and all the, the, the gossip and all that kind of stuff. But if they're telling the truth about you and the truth is bad, then you better pay attention. Your, re- your reputation in this world is important. It's important. In this world. I'm not talking about here in this house. I'm talking about in this world. 24-7, your reputation is important. Let me show you. In the, book of, uh, in the New Testament, uh, you'll see it. Cornelius and Centurion has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews. Also, Ananias having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. Also, Demetrius has a good testimony from all. And in Acts, when they were looking for seven men to do a certain task for the church, one of the requirements was seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. And then John, when he was talking about a specific leadership position in the church, he said, make sure that he has a good report or a good reputation of those who are without or outside the church. Not just the people in the church. It's important that he have a good reputation of the people that he's doing business with 
during the week as well, of the people that he lives with at home, of the people that are outside the church. You know, these, these are the things that, that, that God is noting about certain people in the New Testament church. And one of the things he notes about them is that they have a good reputation. Your reputation is important. What people say about you is important. If they're lying about you, yeah, you've just got to get over it. But if they're telling the truth and it's not good, that's important. You need to pay attention to that. Because you're calling yourself a child of God. And when you're out there, who, who, who is it? Who, who, who are you? When I was, uh, I, I don't know when I heard this for the first time, but I remember hearing this many, many years ago. If someone was to accuse you of being a Christian, could they find enough evidence to convict you? You ever heard that before? Now, if, if someone were to accuse you of being a if you were accused of being a Christian, which means what? Christ-like. If you were accused of being like Christ, could they find enough evidence to convict you? Hmm. Wow. That's kind of heavy, isn't it? Could they find enough evidence to convict you? Well, where would we find that kind of evidence? You know, if we were going to court today, you know, and, and uh, had two lawyers against each other, and, you know, they were arguing over you, whether you're a good guy or bad guy or whatever those things are. You know, your lawyer would try to be finding people to say good things about you, and the other lawyer would be trying to find people to say bad things about you, right? So who would they ask? They wouldn't ask people that don't know you. No. They would ask people who know you. They would want to know what others say about you, the people that are close to you, the people that are around you. You know, uh, like people that ride in your carpool to work. You know, uh, Dave and I were watching Everybody Loves Raymond the other day, and Deborah's parents were arguing, and he said about his wife, he said, you wouldn't believe this woman in traffic. She, she cusses like a sailor, you know. And, and I wonder if the people who ride, to you, ride with you to work or ride with you to school, would they give testimony that you're more like Christ or more like a sailor? Amen. Or oh me. Yeah, come on, think about it. But you know, you know who I, I would call if I could call one select group of people up to testify about what kind of person you are. This is a little mean spirited. I'm sorry, but you know, you know who I'd call up. I'd call up every waiter and every waitress that has ever served you, especially those that didn't get your order right, or it was burned, or she dropped it on the way to your table, or it was slow, or the bill was wrong. That's the ones. Because let me, t- okay, come on, somebody. Oh, I'm getting a lot of smiles right now. And you're thinking, ain't none of us going to heaven if he calls the waiters and the waitresses that have waited on us. And they, look, Dave and I, we, we've pastored for 17 years. We have had to endure a lot of meals with a lot of people. That Let me tell you, sometimes we've wanted to crawl under the table. And if somebody ever asked, well, what church do y'all go to? We wanted, we, you know, we kind of wanted to lie and say, we go to the Baptist church down the street. You know, but you know. Come on, think about it. I mean, it's when we get into those times and when things aren't just right that who we really are comes out. I mean, the waiters and the waitresses, they probably know more about you than I probably know about you. You know, uh, maybe, maybe the people who cut you off in traffic, maybe they could testify about you. What kind of character you've got. The people who run you late, the people who are constantly uh, causing you problems and causing you conflict in your life, they could probably testify to your character, maybe even more than your best friend or even your best enemy. Because they see you not at your cleaned up best sitting on the throne with your robe and your crown on. They see you in your day to day when things aren't going right and your true character is revealed. So who are you? Can we go to our model, our example? Let's see who he was. Let's see, scripture of Jesus right here. Uh, John says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. What an awesome thing for John to say. Is, 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 this is the model. This is the example. 
And, and, and these are the things that this would be, this would be the report if we were to call them up. This would be the, the mountain of evidence of, of who Jesus was, of all these great, wonderful, good things that he had done. Mike, do you have Matthew 16? We skipped it in the early service. Do we have Matthew 16? Oh, there it is. Or did we skip it? Uh, here we go. Uh, and this one here. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus is asking. Jesus is asking. It's like, he said, can you take a poll and see what people think? No, nah, he's not doing that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, who do they say I am? You know, what's going on in the world right now? And here's what they said. They said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's import- it was important for people to look and say, wait a minute, there's something different about this Jesus. And it's important for people to look at your life and say, wait a minute, there's something that's different about this person. There's something, now, I, you know, we, we probably will never get to the place that, you know, you know, I love you, Brother Gary, but I don't even know if anybody's going to say, oh, man, I, he, he's John the Baptist, come back from the dead. He's reincarnated as Elijah. You know, I, I love you, Brother Gary. I don't, you know, we, I don't know if we're ever going to get to that, but, but that's our model. You know, this is our goal. This is the example that has been set before us that people would note that something is different about us. We're not just the same old, same old person that just happens to show up at church on Sunday. There is actually something different about us. Who are you? I think this is one of the best ways to answer the question is find out what other people say about you. Secondly, what is, what's the report on you? What is the record on you? What does your record say about you? Now, I'm not talking about your criminal record, so y'all don't get real worried, okay? In case, and I know none of y'all have one of those, right? Not talking about that. Not talking about any of those things. But, you know, I was thinking about this just the other day. I, I, I don't know, heard a reporter, saw something, and just got me thinking. I thought, you know, there has never been a generation that is more recorded as this generation. You think about, I mean, in the past, some people have kept logs and diaries, right, journals. But, the, man, there are millions of people in this country right now that tweet everything that comes across their brain. I mean, for the Facebook posts, I mean, we post stuff the most. And, you know, there's this Talking Tom video, something out there. I watched it one time, and, you know, and I was really just hoping the thing would die and go away. But, you know, people keep reposting that thing. Y'all, y'all seen this Talking Tom cat thing? That it's some video thing somebody made up. It's so crazy and stupid. And I was hoping this thing would finally die. And I didn't see it for two or three weeks. And then somebody reposted it this week. And I thought, okay, here we go again. And now we'll repost that over and over and over. And I got, I got, a, I got a, a little thought for you. You know, I uh, don't have time to get into eschatology and deal with all of that. But, you know, uh, we believe there's a rapture coming for the church. And if that rapture takes place right now, I, I have to say all this because I don't want to confuse anybody. If the rapture takes place right now, the way, way I understand Scripture is there's going to be a, still a thousand-year period here on this earth. So this earth's going to be around a while, okay? God's not about to do away with it because there's going to be a thousand years. That's what the Word of God tells us. So just imagine, if I'm right, a thousand years from now, you know, that, that people are digging into your backyard and, and uh, maybe your, your, you know, maybe your house has kind of gotten covered up or what are they digging into that? And they find all of the records about you. You know, they find, they find your computer and they find your electronics and, and they find every poem you ever wrote to your sweetheart and they find, you know, every book that you ever started 
did y'all ever start? I've started several of them. But every book that you've started, you know, and, and all of your emails and all the stuff that you've written, they find all that. Imagine they find that of all of us. And so they're trying to figure out what kind of society or culture it was that people a thousand years earlier, right now, lived in. You know, and I was thinking this. I was thinking, man, they would think that that was the most narcissistic culture that has ever existed. These people were so full of themselves. They were constantly talking about themselves. They actually thought everybody in the world wanted to know what color of socks they had chosen to wear that morning. And they would have to tweet about it. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I think people would look back. If they look back at this generation, this culture right now that we're living in, they would think, man, they are so just, so just uh, self-absorbed in all the stuff they've got, they've got going on. And so here's, the, here's a challenge I've got for you. Go back over the last month and look at all the stuff you posted, if you post, that you've tweeted, if you tweet, or if, if you blog, look at all the stuff you've blogged in the last month. Now, let me tell you, first of all, let me say this. The last week doesn't count because everybody's been thankful this last week, right? I mean, presidents even thankful. I mean, presidents hadn't even picked up a Bible. They're thankful. You know, they got to they gotta put that out there. You know, so, so not this past week, but go back for a month. And see what your record says about who you are. The record that, you know, here's, this is an autobiography. Your tweets, your Facebook, your, your blog is an autobiography. I'm not writing that. You're writing that about yourself. Go back. I challenge you. Go back for a month and see. If you were to add all that up and a stranger were to meet you by what you can read there, who would they say you are? Third thing. The third way I think that we can find out who we really are is what is it that you stand for? What do you stand for? What do you stand up for? You could say, what do you stand for or put up with? And sometimes that's important, but I'm really more interested in what you will stand up for. What's important to you? What are you passionate about? You know, again, our example, Jesus Christ, you know, he had to abide some things that weren't exactly right. But he didn't attack every little thing that was out there. I mean, you know, he, he didn't get into the politics discussion. Remember when they tried to get into, get into it with him? Say, hey, let's talk to you about taxes for a minute, Jesus. What did he say? Render to Caesar that was Caesar. Let's talk about something more important. He wouldn't get into it. He never offended anybody over that. He never offended anybody over race. He never offended anybody over racial issues that we have to listen to. You know, I'm sick and tired of hearing all of the stuff. And he never offended people over gender. He never offended people because they didn't have enough money. They weren't dressed well enough, their socioeconomic status. He didn't offend people over that. But you let somebody start twisting the Word of God. You let Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes show up. And all of a sudden, Jesus, he's connecting with his forerunner, his cousin John the Baptist, calling them, you generation of vipers. And he's calling them uh, sepulchers. You're white, whitewashed on the outside, but inside you're just full of dead men's bones. Oh yeah, he, he didn't mind offending people over misguiding others in religion. He didn't mind, uh, Jesus didn't offend people in any other thing. But you let those Pharisees show up and they start trying to twist, twist God's word and twist Jesus' words and tell him he's wrong for doing the way he's doing. All of a sudden, we got a different Jesus on our hands. The Jesus that was bringing the little children up and sitting in his lap and said, suffer the children, forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. 
The same Jesus that was breaking bread and fish and feeding 5,000 families and loving everybody around him. The same Jesus that, that, that said, you know, if, if, uh, if they slap you, then turn the other cheek. Forgive 70 times 7. All of a sudden, a Pharisee shows up, and, you know, and he's, he's declaring that they're going down in, uh, in flames. I mean, he's speaking curses against them because of the, of the way they're... And, and, and what is this that's going on? Well, here, here's my point. What will you stand up for? What does it just say? Because here's the thing, right? I meant, I'm so sick of hearing this. Well, I just don't talk my religion because I don't want to offend anybody. How many of you wore orange and blue or red and white this past week? Come on, think about it. We will, we will offend people over politics. We will offend people over race. We will offend people over gender. We will offend people over our socioeconomic status. And we will offend people over a stinking stupid ball game. And yet we won't tell anybody that Jesus Christ came to save their soul from hell so that they could have eternal life. Come on, what is it that we stand for? We need to ask ourselves the question. We need to, we need to look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, what is it we're passionate about? Today, you know, if I were to stop right here and say, let me, let me tell you this joke I heard this week leading up to the Alabama-Auburn game, the, the Iron Bowl. If I were to tell that joke, you couldn't wait. To, some of you couldn't wait until the service was over. You'd have to hit the parking lot so you'd call your buddy. They'd love to hear this football joke. But i got a better story to tell you. i got an awesome story. Better than any football joke you've ever heard. The Savior came from the throne room of heaven. Heaven's Choice, treasure, the most awesome, beautiful, best it had to offer. Came down and was born in a manger. Lived the same way you and I have to live. Grew up. Died on the cross of Calvary for your sin and for my sin. But he didn't stay in the grave. He raised up on the third day so you and I wouldn't have to be dead forever, but that we could have eternal life. And he's coming back to get us real soon. And the word of God says, everybody that is looking for him. What an awesome story. Did, did, you not, did you not get chill bumps when I was telling that story? Man, I did. I don't know how many times I've told it. But every time I tell it, I get chill bumps. Do you not get passionate about that story too? If not, then shame on us. But if you're passionate about it, man, then you ought to be walking out the door thinking about that person. You know, they need to hear this story. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating we all become weirdos and everything that comes out of our mouth. It's got to be King James Version, these, thous, and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But if people who live around you every day of your life don't see you first as a Christian, then there's a problem because that's your priority. That's who you are. Stand with me for a minute. Come on, Jamie. Because here's what we've got to, here, this is the thing we've got to, we've got to make certain of. I want you to hear this, I want you to hear this one statement, okay, because there's, there's two things about it, and I might, I might come back to you right after we have a word of prayer. We have to make certain of this, that we are passionate about what God is passionate and about whatever passion he has given to us personally. You, you, you're supposed to have a personal passion. The people around you, your family members, your inner circle of friends, your co-workers, 
then also you've probably got some kind of a passion to do something for God. So let me say this again. We have to make absolutely certain that we are passionate about what he is passionate about and whatever passion he has put inside of us. Who are you? Trace came up a little while ago and he was talking about these regrets and as the song said, I thought, oh, wow. Man, that, that's where some of you are living. He, t- he was talking about that grace. That's where some of you are living. And that's who you've allowed yourself to become and you've allowed the devil to make you. Don't live in that anymore. Change your passion today. Become passionate about what he's passionate about. Become passionate about what he's put inside of you and change the who you are to this world and to yourself. I want to ask you to come stand here with me and let's close in prayer. Come on, everyone that will, please. If if I could offer you two tickets to any event, any event in the country, in the world, I guess, two. Jerry. If I could offer you two tickets to any event, what would you, what would they would be? Iron Bowl. Somebody, how about you, Chase? Masters. I thought I might get that out of you. You know, and, and wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if right now, don't get excited, guys, okay? <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome right now? I don't. I don't have one. I don't want to get anybody. Else. Wouldn't it be awesome, though, if I could just reach out in my pocket pull out and say, here's a couple of Iron Bowl tickets, 2011. Here, here's some master's tickets, hotel paid for, everything, all that, you know. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be awesome to reach in there? Can I tell you something, though? I got something better. I got something better than that. I know. Th- these are invitations to the next three services at 2911. I, I, I love these movies. And you may think they're just they're just stupid movies about fantasy. No, C.S. Lewis wrote a parable of the gospel. And it's so cool. This movie opens December 10th. That is Friday week. We are starting this sermon series next Sunday. We're starting the sermon series before the movie actually opens. The makers of the movie, the producers of the movie, along with some other ministries are making some clips available to pastors that aren't anywhere else. And we've already gotten some of them, some of the others are still coming. And we're going to be able to use some clips that you'll see a clip in the next few weeks that you can't see without going to the movie. Because you know, DVDs aren't out yet. I mean, the movie's not even been released. And it's so cool. And uh, the banner was supposed to be here Friday. I guess holidays, uh, you know, uh, you know, come Tried to complain yesterday, said we can find it, couldn't find it, said it'll be Monday before it's here, so it's not out, but it'll be out tomorrow. Our banner's gonna be out. You saw, hopefully, you saw some of the posters already around the church. And so people are gonna be driving back and they're gonna see commercials on TV about the Voyage of the Drawn Treader opening December 10th in your local movies, and, and, and we're gonna connect with that. And, and, and here, right now, timely, something that you can put in their hands and say, say I wanna invite you something. You, you know, you're not saying anymore, you're not saying, hey, would you come to church with me for Christmas? I say, hey, let me tell you about something cool. Something cool we're doing at our church. New movies coming out. They've been they've given clips to pastors that aren't even out anywhere else yet. You can't even see them yet, except except 
Some pastors have them. So why don't you come with me? And it looks like a ticket because it's a ticket invitation. How many of you know somebody in your family or your close circle of friends that you would like to see saved this Christmas season? Anybody? Anybody? You know somebody? Come on. I asked that question at 11 o'clock or the 930 service and I thought people were trying to get in line. Passing it out right now. Let me tell you, you're the people that are passionate about them. You are the people that are passionate about them. If you're not going to do it, nobody else is. You know, I don't know those people that are on your heart. You're the people, God, that's part of it. Remember he said we got to make sure. It's part of the two things I said a moment ago. we got to make sure that our passion is whatever God's passionate about and whatever passion he's put on me. That's part of your passion. When you raise your hands, yeah, there's somebody I want to see saved this Christmas season. That's your passion. The ushers are going to walk around right now. Just take some of these. Wait a minute. I want to pray this prayer first. I want to pray. I want every one of you to pray. God put two people on my mind my heart right now before you take one of these. As soon as you take one, or as soon as God puts two people in your mind, as soon as God gives you two faces, I want you to reach over and get one of these. The two ushers standing right here in the middle, go ahead and grab a couple of those. If he gives you five names, five, then grab five of them. I want you to get it. Let's pray right now.